0: Today, I want to hopefully inspire you, but more importantly, educate you. Um, Jeff LaBorg, who's a pastor in uh, Second Baptist, Warner Robbins, followed Rasta Salter, shared his story that probably both convicted and convinced me of a a need to better communicate who we are in missions as Southern Baptists and as Georgia Baptists. Uh, Jeff was... uh, Uh, Just a lost pagan, Uh, abusing drugs, abusing alcohol, drop out in high school, just destroying his life every day. Someone shared with him Jesus. People began to love him and reach out to him, and the next thing you know, Holy Spirit got a hold of his heart and life, and he made a commitment to Christ. He was so excited when he got saved. He said, man, this is great. He said, couldn't believe what, what he felt in his life, the transformation took place in his life, the power that came into his life to overcome. And uh, so, he, so he, the, he got involved in this church, and, and he wanted to do everything he could. And, they, and he came at a time when they were emphasizing the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And everybody said, man, you need to get ready and get, pray about it and give you money for Lottie Moon. And, and so here's a guy that's on church, never been in a Baptist church. This is his first experience. He's excited about this, and he kind of had a, a little bit of culture shock because he kind of thought everybody would be excited as he was about being saved, and they really weren't. He's thinking, well, okay, okay. <laughs> but uh, he, so he's trying to do everything. And so here's a guy who's best, just absolutely poor, hadn't got much anything, struggling to make it, trying to get his life on the track and make something of it. And so he is saving this money. He's saving his money for Lottie Moon. And, and he's, each week he's putting some back and putting some back. And, and he and says to himself, Hey, I'm eating, I'm eating Vienna sausages and stuff, man, but I'm going to give money to Lottie Moon. And so he says, I'm carrying this money around. Every Sunday I'm carrying this money around. I come in and, and I don't know what to do with it. So finally I went up to, to, the, to the guy who led me to the restaurant and said, Look, I'm going to ask you something. When is Lottie Moon coming to get this money? He didn't have a clue. And some you don't know who Lottie Moon is. That's why I'm going to tell you this today. And, and the guy said, Jeff, Lottie Moon is dead, son. She ain't coming. To he says, I'm saving money for a dead woman. This don't make any sense. How does this work? He said, let me tell you what's the story. And tell the story of Lottie Moon who gave her life to go to the mission field. Most people don't know this. She was engaged to be married. Uh, and uh, she was married to a man who was called into the ministry, a uh, seminary student, and he began to change his theology. And he began to—he was part of that new that 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 slight movement that was beginning to infiltrate our our country, of uh, that had come from Germany, that now were questioning some of the things of the Bible. And in his journey to ministry, he was becoming uh, more of one who did not believe all the miracles of the Bible. And upon that, she broke her engagement and said, I can't be married to you. And that was a God thing because God moved her heart. She became a missionary to China. And there she devoted her life completely and totally. That's who she is. I want to talk to you about the patience of God today and why it is so important we understand about Lottie Moon and about the cooperative program and about who we are as Southern Baptists. I preached to the executive committee uh, just a couple of weeks ago at our Georgia Baptist Convention and shared something that I want to remind all of us of. God has given us a privilege to touch the world with the gospel like no other denomination has ever been, literally. Literally what we do it is a privilege it's not an entitlement God's not obligated he doesn't have to use us he's chosen to use us and if Southern Baptists do not come to their senses God will raise someone else up I'm convinced we have become somewhat of a spoiled denomination thinking that God can't exist without us the tragedy is we won't exist without God and so I want us to look at this and, and share something with you from Second Peter chapter 3, verse 8 and 9. Now, Peter's talking about the day of the Lord. The, that he's going to talk about, use that the last days or that last days in, in verse 3. Scoffers will come in the last days. That, that word last is eschatos, which we get the word eschatology, which means the last days. Uh, and is preparing for the second coming. We have just got through celebrating the first coming of Christ. As Christmas. He came as a baby, God in the flesh, incarnation. But now we need to never lose focus to the second coming because that's coming. Just as sure as there was a first coming, there's going to be a second coming. And just as sure as he was prophesied, he would come and be born in Bethlehem. He's coming to, to stand on the Mount of Olives. He's coming. And, and as Peter was saying in his day, there's going to come a time when people say they're going to make fun of that, They're going to mock that. They're going to laugh at that, think that's ridiculous. They're going to say, where is your God? We don't see your God. When's he coming? Maybe he's asleep. Maybe he's forgotten. Maybe he doesn't exist. That's the scoffers of the last days. And it says their lifestyles become like that in the days of Noah. I think we're there. Guys, I have no problem believing we're in the last days. I, I see what's happening because we've now become a global community. Ask anybody in a political world, we are now a global community. That's just one different way of saying we're a one world community, which is what the Bible's prophesied must come into place. The stage is set. And yet people say, Well, when's he coming? Why ain't he coming? I thought y'all said he was coming. In Paul's day and Peter's day, they begin to laugh and make fun. Saying you said he was coming. Where is he? On vacation. I want you to look at verses eight and nine with me, please. Dear friends, don't let this one thing escape you. With the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. So let me help you understand that. That we have been living in the age of grace, the church age from Pentecost until now, which is approximately 2,000 years, our calendar time. In eternity, that's about two days. That's what that means. And so he said, understand that God's timetable is quite different. He doesn't operate from a calendar as we do. He operates from eternity. He doesn't worry about what the watch says. He simply acts with his nature of what he knows and his sovereignty. And so he said, understand that. Don't Don't ever forget that God's not limited by our calendar or our time. All right? The Lord does not delay his promise as some understand delay. He's not putting it off. But what is he doing? But is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. Guys, that's some of those powerful words in the Bible. He is patient, not wanting anyone to perish, not, not, but all to come to repentance. Will all come to repentance? No. But the door is still open. And I'm so thankful for that. First, I want you to know the Lord is patient, giving time to those who are perishing to respond to His grace. Every day is another opportunity. Every Sunday is another opportunity for someone to come to their senses and give their heart to Christ. To come to the sense of their separation by their sin and come and give their heart to Christ. To get to realize their religion as a Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Muslim, Hindu, whatever it may be, is not enough to get you to heaven. And they come to their senses and they give their heart to Christ. God is patient. For us, what would seem like weeks is merely hours to him. Or even minutes. He's patient that some may will continue to hear and come. That some will give their heart to him. We're in the day of grace. God is not wanting people to die and go to hell. Do you understand that? That is not his. He's not excited about that. He's broken hearted over that. So yet he says I'll give more time to that person who sits in the pew every Sunday and doesn't respond to my grace. I'll give them another Sunday. I'll give them another chance to go to that church this Sunday. They drive by it every day of the week. That's in this country. But he says, let me tell you what, I'm on a, I, there's people around the world that I want to have the privilege and the opportunity to hear and to respond, to respond. When you think about world evangelism, you see, we, we kind of look at, unfortunately, in the West, we look at everything through our eyes and through our glasses, and everything's not that way. Do you know there's eleven thousand six hundred people groups worldwide, specific, unique people groups? That is uh, that translates into uh, six point eight billion people in the world. That's a lot of people. It's a lot of people. Out of that eleven thousand six hundred, there is six thousand five hundred that are unreached people groups. That's about half are unreached. That they've not yet. Uh, there's not been a, an establishment of a Christian community per se, and a Christian stronghold. Guys, that's, that's a lot of people groups. That's a lot of different languages. That's a lot of villages in the backside of nowhere. It's a lot of cities that that do not have TV and radio. buildings to come one of our missionaries tells a story of, of of, of 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 a village he went to and a place it was a small place and one of the men said to him we have been expecting someone to come and tell us good news See, that's just a God thing. God prepared their hearts. They didn't understand what the good news was yet. But he said, we know that someone's bringing good news. And our missionaries brought good news. You see, this is the thing we need to understand. God cares about this group and these groups of unique individual people around the world. And also the unique groups in our own culture, in our own place here, in our own community. Do you know there are 3,300 unchurched, unengaged people groups. Now that, you got, again, half of that unreached group is not even being confronted with the gospel of Christ. They've not yet been engaged by missionaries of the gospel. So we're talking about a large number of people for whom Jesus died. And when he says that it is my will that none would perish, this is what he's talking about. You see, he's talking about People here, but the sad trash is people here have heard the gospel probably all their life. Perhaps you're sitting here and you've never given your heart to Christ. You may have been a member of the church, been baptized, but you've never given your heart to Christ. Or maybe you're visiting, and you've never made that decision. You're contemplating it, you're pondering it. I'm glad you're doing that. But the truth is, you've heard the gospel a hundred times. There's people around the world that have heard it once. They've heard it once. And so we look at this, we go, Lord, what, do you ha- what would you have us do? And, and so as we understand this, this is why we do the cooperative program in Lottie Moon Christmas Offering and Annie Armstrong Offering because we believe these people are, li- these, these are people that, whom Christ died. As, as Southern Baptists, this is, this is our, our, our rallying pole, if you will, missions, that the world may hear, that Christ may be lifted up. He would draw all men unto him. This is who we are. It is incredible what God has done with us. In 1925, he birthed in the hearts of some, some men a way to bring every church into the process of missions. And through our oneness, we can do more than we can individually. Always been that way. We have right now uh, over 5,500 missionaries that are, that are considered uh, Uh, on the field. And then we have another uh, 1,200, almost uh, 1,300 short-term missionaries that are working in the international fields around the globe. God is patient. He's still calling men and women to the mission field. So when we ask you to give an offering, it's not because we need just to take another offering; We need to make it hard on you and we need to We're trying to somehow get the gospel to every part of the world because it should not be kept just to us. There's such a need. I'm going to tell you why God's patient because people still respond to His grace. Man, God's working tragically it's hard here I'll never forget when I went to Jamaica on a, on a, on a uh, mission trip preached revival there there was, there was 17 of us that went scattered all over uh, the west side of Jamaica and we preached and people responded we had just under 800 professions of faith in one week with 17 ministers spread out all over and we were meeting at the airport. We had, we had came, flew in together, and we got separated, went to our separate places. We came back together. And every single one of us looked at one another and said, Can't believe our people in America don't understand how we got it. These people were so hungry for the gospel. They'd been under communism for years, just had ousted Manley from, from Jamaica. There wasn't even enough pastors for churches. And when they found out a preacher was coming, they all came just to hear the gospel. And people were saved. We've been so well fed, we're not hungry anymore. We take it for granted. There's a place in the world that don't hear the gospel. Maybe once a year. Once a year. But God is patient. For His will that none perish. And so in the process of what we do and how it works, we have seen 26,000 churches started around the world. 26,000. Actually, twenty six thousand nine hundred something. Church has been started. That's all. That excites me because I, I know what happens in new new units. New units grow quicker. There's an excitement. There's an enthusiasm. There's a there's a uniqueness, and they reach people. And out of that, let me tell you why he's patient. Why he will delay, not because he's not able to bring it to a close. He delays, it's coming because the door of opportunity is open. Do you know how many we baptized last year on the farm mission field? Over a half a million people in one year. Awesome. It's a great year. It's a banner year. We have reached into the Muslim community and it's amazing what God is doing. Saving men and women. All knowing the possibility they may be martyred, murdered for their faith, and we're seeing them come to the Lord by the hundreds, in pockets of Muslim strongholds. We will. There's. There's a. We're now having to show our videos. We can't even show the faces of the people that share their testimonies because they'll be killed. That's what's happening. This is why. We've been in such an amazing privilege. Uh, And we look at this. About 40 nations are still unreached around the globe. 40 nations. That would include 700 different languages. And that accounts for 1.5 billion people that are yet unreached. Uh, Out of that, 40% of those are Muslim. 40%. Are following a religion that is teaching destruction and death, and their only hope of deliverance is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the only hope. I'm thankful that we have many women who are courageous enough to confront this and to make this happen. Thirty-four uh, percent are—I'm are, uh, uh, sorry—thirty-four are, percent are Muslim. Thirty-two percent are Hindu which are basically even many gods and uh, polygamy. God's patient because he died for these people. Whether they live in Afghanistan or Iran or Iraq or China or India, you guys understand something. I, I want you to understand the, the possibilities and the purpose of which we're here. But secondly, I want you to know we have the opportunity to participate together for the salvation of the lost in our backyard and around the world. We have been given this amazing opportunity to touch the world, for the cause of Christ, for the kingdom of God. It starts in our backyard. Our backyard is where we live, and we walk out our doors, and there's, the, there's our place, there's our community, there's our region. Seventy percent of Floyd County is unchurched. Now, they're not unreached. They're reachable, and they've probably heard, but they're unchurched, and you got to plow a little, little harder, and you got to plow a little more often because there is a hardness of the heart. To what they've heard. And there's been rejection time and time again. But there's still the door of opportunity. And as God His coming. As the Lord delays. That some may be saved. We need to be a people. That are doing the, the, the fulfilling of the great commission. By going. And sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what we do. As an individual church. We reach our backyard. But it doesn't stop there. Because we have also the opportunity to reach our country and to reach our world. How do we do that? Well, number one, we participate as we pray for the Great Commission to be fulfilled. As we pray for God to raise up missionaries, to start churches, to begin to empower the people of their own nation to become bold in their witness we pray we must pray for God to move we need to be praying for our own neighborhood and our own community and we need to be praying for God to bring revival in Georgia and in Floyd County because there's never been a greater need there needs to be where we are actually praying for God to move and be mighty and great among his people we need to be a people who are committed to participate with prayer And you get these prayer sheets, and and, uh, I don't know what you do with them, but you're supposed to pray for the people that are on them. Pray for our missionaries. We have the birthday sheets. where you pray for our missionaries on their birthday because they are an extension of who we are. They are a part of fulfilling the Great Commission. We may never see their faces or hear their voices, but they are a voice for the Lord that's going into the darkness, bringing the light of the gospel. And they're there to share the good news that Jesus came and died on a cross, that they could be delivered from Islam, Hinduism, and Buddhism, paganism. that They can be set free from religion and denomination and become a part of the body of Christ, the living Lord Jesus Christ, and be saved. We also participate as we proclaim the good news, as we share our faith, and as we, as we go out to where we are in the workplace, the marketplace, the, the faith teams, and all we can go out, we participate in, in being a part of God's purpose and plan. But not only that... And y'all know we do this. We're committed to sharing the good news. And I, I praise God he's raised up a lot of people in this church that can share their testimony and share their faith. And we're, one of the greatest things I thought of this last semester of faith is we had more life witness professions of faith than we've ever had. That means we understand now that it's just not a Monday night thing, but it's an everyday thing. And somehow we're now sensitive to what God can do on Wednesday and Thursday and Saturday because God's God seven days a week. Not just on Monday and Sunday. And so we're excited. We see what will happen. And that's so doggone exciting. That really is. That's just amazing. And so we also participate by providing financial resources through the cooperative program and at Christmas, the Light of Moon Christmas offering. It's what we do to touch the world. It has been. Guys, I was raised an independent Baptist. I know what independents are like. I was raised that way. But I have been a Southern Baptist since I was 18 years old. Southern Baptist, we said we don't want to be independent. We want to come together. And touch the world. And therefore we have the largest missionary base of any denomination. That's not a thing of pride, that's a thing of privilege. Man, we're touching the world. And if we and, but I say this I, as I spoke to the executive committee, if we don't come to our sense, we're gonna lose our place at the table. Because we at one time we average giving. 9% to the cooperative program. We're now across this country, Southern Baptists are average giving 6% to the cooperative program. 6%. We're losing ground. We're losing ground. As I believe you give, I believe every church should tithe what it comes to, the, to what you give here. We should tithe off that. We should be supporting what we can around the world. And I want to tell you, I thank you because your church supports world missions. We give incredible offerings throughout the year, and we give to the cooperative program. But I'm also concerned that because we reach so many people who aren't from a Southern Baptist origin, or or maybe unchurched background and come and get saved, you don't understand what we do sometimes. And I want you to get this. I want you to get this picture. This is what I'm doing this day. I want you to understand this. What we do. When when you when you give your money here, it goes we take a percentage, eight and a half, two and a half, and and we take those, which is over ten percent incidentally. Two and a half goes to our associational mission that we may reach people in this county. We invest in this county heavily. We give 8.5% to go to the cooperative program that may go into the mission field. And I I want you to understand how that works. Because we do that, you saw them talk about 2004 when the tsunami hit. We all saw it on TV. And over 200,000 people were killed. Do you know how much money we sent in relief? 17 million dollars. There was a place that would not allow Christians to speak up, even to live in some places. Missionaries were allowed allowed in. Oh. But a tsunami came. And then relief came. Water came. Food came. Clothing came. Medical uh, teams came. $70 million was invested in this place. 1,400 churches were started. The barriers were broken down. The thing is, we had it in place ready to go. We had missionaries ready to step up. We were a people ready to fulfill the Great Commission. Guys, 12,000 people accepted Christ over a two-year period in a place that would not allow the name of Jesus to be spoken at one time. In a place of a Muslim and Hindu stronghold. People are being saved. 12,000. I want to. Let me do this. I want to share something with you. I want you to get this. When you give. This year, because I worked on the budget committee from Georgia Baptist, when we give our money to the Cooperative Program it goes to Georgia Baptist, we will send $9 million to the International Mission Board just from the state of Georgia if our churches will give the way they should. Actually, if they give the way they should, we could double that. And so Let me correct that. We're giving pretty poorly, actually, across the, the, the country right now. I understand this economy. I understand a lot of things. But we'll give we'll invest over nine million into the International Mission Board. That's money to go. When you give a, a when we send our cooperative dollars from here, fifty percent of that goes to SBC, and then uh, approximately forty uh, percent it goes to IMB, and 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 uh, and, and twenty to to Nam and, and, and the Home Mission Board. And, and so what I want you to get, and I've rammed those off, okay. But what we give, we're giving nine million to IMB, which is which is uh, of that money we send uh, four million plus to NAM, the the uh, American Mission Board, uh, and and then that's that's like nine percent, and we're of course investing in seminaries, but we are giving just right at thirty million. Okay, thirty million of our money is going into missions. I want to be a part of that. I want you to sense who we are. It's who we are. As Southern Baptists, they're going to contribute $102 million, according to their budget that was adopted at the, Georgia, at the Southern Baptist Convention. $102 million will be given from budget money to go to the International Mission Board. $102 million. And I want you to know our goal for Lottie Moon as a, as a, as a denomination is $175 million. So now we're talking about 277 million to go around the world. That's why we can put 5,500 missionaries in place. That's why we can invest in. I I want you to understand, there's no one more benevolent in this world than Southern Baptists. We deal with hunger. We deal with disaster relief. We are feeding the hungry around the world. and We don't talk about it probably like we should, but we're feeding the hungry. We're dealing with orphans. You saw what we did putting up an orphanage in in, in this part of India. We're doing that all over the world because that's how we get an opportunity to preach the gospel, to share. We are committed to missions. We'll send 46 plus million to, to, to the home mission board. North American Missions. We're committed. God is patient because he sees what is taking place. He's delaying that some may come to Christ. Wouldn't it be great for another half million to be saved this next year? Wouldn't it be great? Do you all think that's good? Amen? I think it's good. Man, I want to be a part of that. Lottie Moon and so many others have given their life to missions. (laughs) Charlotte Diggs Moon was her name. She was born in Virginia, came out of Cartersville Church to go to the mission field. She was one of six Southern Baptist missionaries that arrived in China at that point, in time was 360 million strong. That they may would hear and respond. She began to dress like them. She learned the language. She began to eat what they would eat. In the process, she would identify with them and, and be a powerhouse for the kingdom of God. She literally gave her life. She would travel from village to village telling the story of Jesus. China went through a very extensive famine, and for her to empathize, she would not eat, upon which she weighed 50 pounds when she died on a ship back to the United States. I want to read this quote to you from her. She said in 1887, how many there are who imagine that because Jesus paid it all, they need pay nothing, forgetting that the prime object of their salvation was that they should follow in the footsteps of Jesus Christ and bringing back a lost world to God. We have the privilege to give. That's why I ask you, the Christmas season, pray about what God have you give. What does He want you to give? And uh, we'll we, you know, I'm not. Hey, I don't believe in pressuring people to give. I think you're to give cheerfully. I, I don't believe in that. But I believe God moves in our hearts of what we could give, and we need to be obedient and people of faith. I thank you for the way you give and tithe, because you support missions around the world when you do. When you designate your money, you don't get do that incidentally. We don't give off designated money. Just undesignated. So when you do that, you touch the world. God is good. That he would delay his judgment, that some more would still be saved. I'm so glad he's not finished yet. Because there's some of you that still need to be saved. And he's given you another opportunity. Would you bow your heads with me?